stories we tell communicate who we are and what we value. Each episode, we consider a different story from our perspective as women. From murder ballads to fairy tales, we discuss the power these stories have over us all. This is our history, both real and imagined, told through the eyes of today. This is Femlore. Hey, Min. Hey, Rach. Oh my gosh, you look taller. I haven't seen you in a whole season gap. I know. Yeah, I've I've grown for sure. You've been drinking milk? I yeah. know that's good for your bones, really. <laughs> I actually don't like milk. But oh. yeah, no, I mean, it, maybe personal growth. Is oh, that what you're saying? I like that too. <laughs> you know, I'm seeing you. Maybe it's the standing taller. I can't tell. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> It's so good to be back. I know. Season two for us. Yeah. Uh, Femlor. Very exciting. Wow. Uh, you know, we left off with Mulan, which was an excellent story to end, I think, last season. Um, Gio gave such great perspective. And, uh, you know, this. The, I think today we have a, a great story for everybody that you may or may not be familiar with. Probably. We, we definitely do. Yeah. 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 I think it's a story a lot of people know, um, but I don't think a lot of people know the real story um, or all the aspects of the real story. They might just know parts. So I'm um, super, super excited that we're going to be talking about the story of Pocahontas mm-hmm. today. Um, we have an amazing guest that will be joining us. Um, and yeah, just lots to talk about. Yeah, we'll, we'll introduce her in a bit. But uh, Min, you have a story you're going to tell us, right? I do. And um, yeah, so we, I will be telling the story of Pocahontas. And so before I get into the story, um, I wanted to share that this week we will be making a donation to the National Indigenous Women's Resource Center, Inc. Um, or you can check them out at niwrc.org. This episode of Pocahontas pairs well with their mission and um, they're a nonprofit that we really respect. Our, our guest recommended them as well. And their mission is to provide national leadership to end violence against American Indian, Alaskan Native and Native Hawaiian women by supporting culturally grounded grassroots advocacy. So we really hope that you check them out and that you enjoy our story and make a donation. Yeah, join us in making a donation. Thanks. They arrived on great steel ships that looked like giant rocks floating through the James River. The Virginia Company colonists would use the resources of the New World to build a fortune, but John Smith, young and handsome, was more curious and less interested in the fortune. When they landed in 1607, he met for the first time the Powhatan people. Led by Chief Powhatan, the Powhatan people were generally cautious of the new white settlers. But not Pocahontas, the beautiful daughter of the chief. Although she was engaged to Kokoum, a brave and serious warrior, she began to spend time with the curious John Smith, whom she introduced to the great-grandmother spirit of the willow tree. The great-grandmother spirit tells the couple that they will bring peace between the settlers and the tribe. This prophecy seems too distant a dream as the settlers and the native people fight in wooded forests. Pocahontas's fiancé, Kokoum, leads a small band to attack the British, To the settlers, the native people appear out of nowhere like spirits. Kokoum was skillful is no match for the guns of the English, and he is shot and killed. Outraged, the Poetan capture Pocahontas's beloved John Smith. Wary, Captain Poetan knows that the white man will pillage and destroy his people and the land that they live on. He has already seen them uproot forests, 
looking for something that they call gold. They find metals more interesting than food, which makes little sense to the strong chief. Something must be done, he says, as he convenes his elders. They decide they must ceremoniously kill John Smith to show the English that their behavior is not tolerated. At the same time, the English are mobilizing to win back their captured friend. Pocahontas does not know of John Smith's capture until she finds out her father and the tribe have taken John down to a clearing to bludgeon him to death. They lay his head on a rock as Chief Poetan rises his club. At that very moment before he strikes, Pocahontas runs before her father and to the white man. A symbolic and corporeal bridge between cultures clash. Chief Poetan, seeing his daughter, relents, but the British have surrounded the ceremonial clearing and the governor of the colony, Ratcliffe, takes aim with his musket. John Smith sees the glint of the weapon and bravely hurls himself between man and bullet, saving Chief Poetan. The colonists are furious with the governor and arrest him, sending him back to England for trial. John Smith is nursed back to health by Pocahontas, but must receive treatment in England to survive. As he boards the ship, he knows he will never see his love again. Well, yeah, Rachel, I'm so excited to introduce you to our guest this week. We Yay, have my guest. friend Nikki, who everyone should follow her on Instagram at Red Streak Girl. Um, we'll be sure to share on our Instagram as well. So you can follow us at Femlore Podcast and we will um, share more details about Nikki. But Nikki, I'd love for you to take it away and introduce yourself to our listeners. Yeah, thanks so much, Mindy and Rachel, for having me here on the Femlore Podcast. Um, so I'm going to give you an introduction in my native language. Um, so I just introduced myself in Navajo. And what I said was, hello, greetings. My name is Nicolette Deschini Parkers. Um, and I stated my, my clans, and clans are a way that, in the Navajo way of life, how we identify ourselves to others to determine any type of, like, kinship. And so, basically, what I said um, in some is that I am a, I'm of the Standing Rock Sioux tribe, but I'm also Navajo of the um, start of the Red Streak people. Um, and so, generally, that kind of introduction is given... It's a formal introduction, um, but the idea is, like, if I were, like, in a classroom, then perhaps I might be able to identify if there are any other, like, Navajo students in the class, and um, they can say, oh, hey, we're related. You're in the Navajo way of life. I'm your cousin, or you're my auntie, or you would be, like, a, a, like a, um, a parent kind of figure to me. Um, but it's just a way of showing kinship because one of the things that um, I think how at least I um, view relationships in the world is thinking of people as kin, as relatives, um, and how do I know somebody and how do I make a relationship with somebody? And by sharing this type of relationship, hopefully it, it um, kind of shows that, you know, I'm taking an, a time and an investment to get to know somebody beyond just um, as an acquaintance if that makes any sense. That totally does and is so beautiful. I That was really moving and I wish that, yeah, that more people <laughs> entered into getting to know people in that way and like, you know, wanting to open up space for that deeper 
connection that you just described that was really beautiful. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Well, um, so I'm already like, I, know, so. I don't even know what to say. Okay, <laughs> so, I mean, um, so I think that that Mindy actually started really well just saying that like, this is the Disney version. So I think that's maybe where we can start with like, how you feel about this story. And even like the Disney version of Pocahontas, right? Like how that connected with you, we'd love to hear your thoughts and kind of, um, you know, your, your, your ideas on it. Yeah, so um, maybe before I do that, I can kind of give a little bit of background about my, like, where I'm coming from, I suppose. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, So I'm currently a PhD student in a justice studies program um, at Arizona State University, but I also have a master's in social work and a master's in public policy. Um, Professionally, I consider myself a policy analyst and a program evaluator, Um, and I've generally worked in the field of... um, health disparities and around um, American Indian substance abuse and basically how do we prevent American Indian youth from, you know, becoming addicted to substances, but also providing them ways to um, kind of prevent and to um, reduce harm. But at the other end of things, I'm also um, have done work around um, policy analysis of like opioids. And so I'm really for American Indians, and so I'm really interested in how um, American Indians are impacted and the ways in which different kinds of social ailments, I guess, um, impact us, mm-hmm. uh, particularly Native American youth. And part of that is also the ways in which our identity is impacted and how one of those ways is through representation. And so it's kind of one of the reasons why I was interested in wanting to chat about the Disney film Pocahontas because um, there's so much that's going on with that film. And I know that, uh, you know, it's, it's the film has been discussed before by many other people, um, but I just think it's, it's another interesting film, I think personally for me, because I have like some personal connections to it. Like I, I grew up in the age of Disney films. And so um, I remember seeing Pocahontas when it came out and being like enthralled with it, like with the music, with um, the, you know, just the beauty of the animation. Um, I knew that the story was not accurate. Like even as, you know, like as a kid, I knew that story was not accurate, but um, it still was sort of like this fantasy idea that, you know, anybody can get caught up in. And I think it's only more so as I become an, an adult that, you know, I've been able to like be much more critical and think more critically about it, about why did I know that that story was wrong, but yet how did it like intrigue me? Um, yeah. And even just hearing you say that, because in preparation and knowing we were going to be talking about this, I, you know, Disney plus is now a thing. So I went back and watched the Disney version of Pocahontas. And I found myself at certain moments being really upset because now knowing and after doing more research just about like how much was wrong and and looking at it through more of a critical eye. But I have to admit, I also did still have some of those feelings of nostalgia and finding myself caught up in the beauty of the story. So I think it's it's kind of interesting and where I guess I hope we can go is um, to talk about kind of what they got wrong or what it means and like um, how that can, you know, our, our whole thing that we try to do here is to learn and grow and look at how these stories impact the way that 
women are are viewed today. And I just think there was a lot in there, even looking at like how they tried to sexualize Pocahontas, making her older, you know, the the real story would be what that she was maybe 10 or 11 at the time that the colonists arrived. And, you know, that is not what a 10 or 11 year old looks like even the the Disney version. So like looking at that now through a more critical eye and, and knowing that information, it was just really different to rewatch it at this point. So when was the last time you, you've watched it, Nikki? Oh, my gosh, I think it's been a it's been years yeah. uh, since I've personally watched it. Oh, geez. Yeah, maybe like when my kids were like in middle school yeah. or maybe like <laughs> 10 years ago or something. I don't know. Yeah, but some of the songs time. and the, you know, like I do have to like as a non-native person seeing that story and like I grew up in Michigan and we would spend time up north and I would like love to learn more about native culture and like it was something that I do think my eyes were more opened to it because of this film um but I also think I was so young and because a film like this is was my like first experience I didn't know the difference between appropriation and appreciation and like those things that now as an adult I can look at and and critically know where like the issues are and things like that but um yeah I'd love to um something you shared with Rachel and I before we started recording just kind of about um, kind of the, the connection and who within the native um, community connects with this story. And so I don't know if you wanted to share a little bit about that with our listeners. So I think it's um, really interesting that you mentioned how like this was like one of the first um, introductions perhaps that maybe you've had to like native American culture or community or like of native Americans. Um, I, I don't want to, I've been saying that in a way because I don't think Pocahontas, the Disney film is an act is anything accurate mm-hmm. representation of native American culture. But I mean, I think that's part of the issue is that, you know, totally, totally. Yeah. For some people, this is, or was their first introduction to native American people. And, you know, when it came out, if this was the first time that they were learning about native Americans, um, aside from perhaps maybe, like a little bit of history inside like a history class. Um, But that's problematic because this type of film really sets them into like a very historical place in U.S. history. Um, And so then, you know, people, um, if that's the first time learning about Native Americans, they're only thinking of them in the past in a very specific kind of stereotyped way in the past. Um, And for some people, like, Disney films kind of like become some type of history for them. Mm -hmm. And so the story of Pocahontas becomes known The act, like what they believe the story of Pocahontas to be is based off of the Disney film that she, you know, married John Smith. And I don't remember what happened in the second Pocahontas, whatever. (laughs) Like, you know, she like went to England and like, whatever, but like, that's not even like, you know, accurate that's not even like the true story of Pocahontas mm-hmm. um, no I think so, you're so right like that's what I was trying to get to but you said it so much more eloquently than I did because it, it is it's like if that was my first introduction in a way that like I was like oh like so this is what it means to be 
native, you know, and I mean, I guess I'm really exposing. So please be gentle with me. But like my ignorance to Native American culture, but like, that was one of my first things and seeing and thinking, you know, and taking that as you said, like as fact, and you know, we know so much of our history and things are so whitewashed. And that's kind of why Rachel and I love talking about this stuff and like, the power of folklore, like, that's why it's so important when we look at these stories then are are told and shared and spread in like such a way, especially once it gets to a Disney channel of like how many people does that impact and how many people then like if you are not exposed or having other opportunities to learn, then that's the one thing that you're like hanging on to or thinking is fact. Well, and also, I think like Native American culture, I, I'm guilty of that too, Nikki, just so you know, I will lay it all bare. And I think this idea that it's a monolith, right? It's just one one type of culture is also very damaging to that to, to in general. Like if you think about that across any Disney movies that you see, I think there's so much there that is just like so regressive, I guess, and just not thinking about, um, and I think to your point, Nikki, that's an excellent point about the that that's a historic history, right? It's not happening now, right? And I think that's just so um, it gives us an opportunity when we re- when we revisit these stories to kind of think about what what lie what lies have we let ourselves been told, and how can we change that? And I think that's you know I think your the way you said it was so so wonderful um, in the way that you you were saying that it's not a history. This is ha- like things are happening now. People are here, um, and I think that's that's very. Uh, you know, very apt, certainly. Yeah, so it's really interesting the way that you said that, like, what do we allow ourselves to be told? And um, just uh, recently, um, like, this is 2020, and I believe the, um, I'm not sure if it's, like, it's within the last few years, Um when the Pocahontas Disney film came out on Netflix, um, they provided like a description of what I have. I have it right here. Yeah. If you'd like me to read, I have it here if you want, because you sent it to us. So this is all Nikki. I'm taking credit, but I do have what they said. Yeah. Yeah. It said uh, the original description was spotted by Adrian Keene. Um, a, she's part of a site called Native Appropriations. And basically, in summary, the, it says the titular character yearns, quote, yearns for something more and soon meets Captain John Smith. And then, yeah, go ahead, Nikki. <laughs> so, yeah, terrible? so I mean, like, yeah, it's just, and when, you know, this was raised for, uh, you know, when Dr. Adrian Keene raised this as an issue of, like, hey, what's going on here with this, like, film description I mean there's a lot going on with that and if, if people want to learn more you can google Dr. Adrienne Keene Native Appropriations and she's got a couple blog posts specifically about the film description where she impacts it about why it's wrong but even just kind of stepping back from that just a little bit people were even upset like this is just a Disney film leave it alone right. um, but there's importance in like you know words and the way that things are described um and that kind of goes back to that point that you just said, Rachel, about like, what do we allow ourselves to be told and what happens when, and, and how do people, and how should we be reacting? How do we react when what we thought was knowledge or common knowledge or accurate is not like, how do you know that 
cognitive dissonance, like, <laughs> you know, that sometimes that motion, that um, traction, whatever, is hard for people and sometimes something they don't want to hear. And that's when it becomes hard for advocates, Native American advocates or people who are advocating for Native Americans to, like, make even larger issues known um, because, you know, the way that Native Americans are represented in Disney films, in policy, in entertainment, in sports, um, these stereotypes, when they're so embedded, it impacts how um, the larger society views Native Americans and thus how policies for Native Americans then are implemented or decided upon. Um, I don't know how many people all know this, but uh, the, the, the current president, you know, he even uses Pocahontas, but he uses it in a way as a slur. And even he can't see, you know, I mean, there's a lot, I believe there's a lot of issues with him, but he can't see like why that's wrong. And there's people who support him, who agree with him on that. Um, and it's very problematic. Mm-hmm. Well, and I do think the Netflix description that you sent us, um, you know, first of all, can I just say, I didn't know she was a doctor and they didn't put that in here, which is bullshit. Can I just say that real quick? Just go on record yeah, to say I, that this is like a, I think I got this article from, I mean, I read her, her blog post, but I, it's, um, I think it was like time or somebody. So get that doctor in there. Can you guys just like redo that article? She deserves the doctor anyway. Um, but I think part of the problem too, is like this idea of, um, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about this. So I'm kind of turning the conversation a little bit just based on what you just said, but the idea of, um, uh, I think, you know, Pocahontas specifically in, first of all, I like from our research, when we looked at this, um, John Smith made up the whole thing. It sounds like if he was there or not, we don't know, but you know, he, he basically put together this stories, this in like 1600s of like what his, what he was doing there or something. And I think the one thing that that came very seriously when I was re- researching this was this idea of um, Pocahontas as uh, like an enabler of co- colonialism and giving, and I think that kind of goes to your ancestry versus um, uh, descendancy kind of feeling is like, it's almost like um, white people kind of use that story to legitimize the atrocities that we have um, that we've done, right? Like, oh no, I'm I'm part, percent. yeah, I'm part Native American, so I'm allowed to be here, right? And I think that is so, you know, it it does. There's this idea of like, well, if I'm descended, you know, that ancestry makes it's like when you see ancestry from like like for example, my family's from Britain. It's like I'm not British though, right? <laughs> That's not my culture. But it's interesting <laughs> that like. Um, I think it's specifically like uh, white colonialism and white people in general use it as a way to legitimize their space. And I, I find like when I was reading about Pocahontas, it really hit me hard because I'm, I am admittedly a white middle-class woman. You know, I don't have, you know, I don't have the same experiences as other people. And I think like that, that piece really kind of, I don't know, it, it hit. And I, I, I like, you know, it's just interesting. I'd love to hear your thoughts instead of having me ramble on <laughs> yeah um so it is interesting i'm trying to think about where to start the you know where to jump in at um there's something about how um non-native people have jumped onto or cling to pocahontas's story as a way to um you know either like legitimize their you know, they're being in, in indigenous land in America, 
um, or as a way to like claim some type of identity that maybe they heard through um, like family stories. And I'm not saying that to delegitimize like real people who, you know, are finding their, their family and, you know, finding their ancestry um, who have done the research on their own to, you know, who have done their research to find, to find their ancestry. Cause there really are people that have done that, but there are also people that are just like, you know, turning to these stories and just like taking them for truth, um, family lore. And uh, there's like an, an impact to that in terms of like native American identity then. So if just anybody can claim native American identity, what does that potentially mean to, um, the legitimacy of American Indian tribes in the United States, which have like a standing in, you know, the United States constitution and like the, the history, the foundations of the United States, um, where basically tribes and American Indian tribe can determine they have the sovereignty, inherent sovereignty, the right to determine who is a member of their tribe. And so when we have people that are, you know, unnecessarily uh, claiming that they're a descendant of Pocahontas or that, you know, they're claiming ancestry of some um, Cherokee princess and their great, great, great grandmother, what have you, um, you know, those two are somewhat connected in the way that they're trying to claim something that might not necessarily be theirs. Um, and as a way to then also say things, as you mentioned, like, well, I'm part native and I can say that I'm fine with the way that the president uses Pocahontas's name, or I'm fine with the way that, uh, sports utilize stereotyped images of native Americans. Like I'm fine with that. And it's like, okay, well, that's great. Yes, you can be fine with that. People can be fine with that. But what we're able to see is through research, um, particularly Dr. Stephanie Freiberg, she's a researcher who's done research on the negative impact of stereotypes and mascots and different types of representations of Native Americans on Native youth student academic achievements. And what her research has shown is that these representations, negative representations, so things like um, sports mascots, as well as what some people might deem a positive representation of a Native American, such as Pocahontas, that those images, when Native students are confronted with them, negatively impact their academic achievements in college. And so that is profound. If we know, if society knows that these types of representations are negatively impacting student native youth, like we should be doing something about them. And so there's these, all these little tiny connections between like how people choose to, you know, claim native American identity and the ways that Native Americans are represented and how they actually impact us. Um, They're all connected in these small little tiny ways that sometimes get missed in conversations. And I think, I mean, that is just so profound. And thinking, I mean, these are like, uh, what is it? Uh, Chimamanda Ngozi talks about like, the problem of the single story. I believe it's her, I guess we'll have to fact check that Erin and make sure I got that right. Um, But I'm not sure if you've listened to that Ted talk, but you know, when you are just like for white people, just if they're only seeing or knowing like this one 
version of what it means to be native and like how problematic that is and all of these impacts. And like, again, it just brings me back to, yeah, like that's kind of why we're here. Like these stories do impact things, even impacting the way of like, you know, um, I, I really, I'm not trying to change where this conversation is going and, and in any way leave the perspective, obviously, of Pocahontas being native, but also her being a woman, the extra things that are added on that of like, then, you know, she would have if, which I don't think that this actually happened this way. And like, John Smith's telling by like any means, we know that that's wrong. But the biggest thing to me is that she was 10 or 11 years old, but then to make it a better story or what people could expect then from what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a native woman, she had to be older. She had to fall in love with him, like all of these expectations, because in folklore, what we see time and time again in these stories is that the woman has to play those certain kind of roles. So I just kind of wonder if there's anything, um, if this could open up the conversation kind of to like gender expectations or anything there that you saw in this story or like what we know to be like the difference of like her, her true story in history. Wow. Yeah. Um, the age difference, I think is the wildest aspect of this movie (laughs) of how they turned a girl, you know, an indigenous girl into a woman. Um, And even still, that's one of the aspects in terms of her true story of Pocahontas' true story. That's like constantly, um, you know, people are butting their heads up against because they don't want to believe it. And they'll often fall back and say like, well, no, she was like a, a, a woman and it's like, no, she was only 11 years old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, that kind of chimes into these things of violence against Native and Indigenous women and girls that have, you know, been happening since colonization. Um, and that still happened today. Yeah. And so there definitely are these aspects of, um, you know, vic- victimization and violence against Native women um, that play out in different kinds of ways, uh, in some ways stemming from Pocahontas. So, for example, there have been um, um, activists, Native American activists for years who have been trying to get um, certain kinds of sexy Pocahontas costumes um, to be, like, taken off the shelf for Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I believe last year, was it last year? might have been last year or in 2018, um, some activists, Amanda Blackhorse and some other activists in the Phoenix area were able to um, go and protest that Spirit Halloween. Um, I think it's Spirit Halloween. I might be getting the name wrong, but it was a um, costume distributor to try to get them to remove the sexy Pocahontas, sexy Native American costume from their stores because that stereotype of, you know, Native American woman being sexualized and looking like the Disney films Pocahontas, um, you know, those type of things lead into people's views that Native women can just be, are just there for them for their taking. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, violence against Native women and girls, we see that happening in all different kinds of aspects around the United, not just the United States, but the world, Um, you know. And so, that's something that's 
being looked at and being addressed. And, and parts of that stem from issues of how Native American women are represented and stereotyped. Totally. Um, yeah. And even thinking, I mean, Halloween's just around the corner and, and thinking about that. Um, so important. And I guess, and this is a, a loaded question. So if we need to cut this, um, feel free to just say you're not sure. But um, as somebody, you know, the older I've gotten, I really am trying to just continue to learn. And I don't know if you have any recommendations for like what people can do to help. How how can people get, you know, more involved? Because I do think um, there's so much happening in the world right now, but there's so much that I just, I see how women are so marginalized, unfortunately, across so many different cultures. And, um, you know, what, what can someone like me, a white, white middle-class woman, as I think Rachel put it earlier, like, you know, what can I do to help? Like by getting involved, donating to, um, the NIWRC.org, as we had talked about the National Indigenous Women's Resource Center. Um, but are there any other things you'd urge people to do or any like readings? I know we've mentioned a few of them and where people can research, but I'm just kind of curious if, and again, I know I'm, I'm putting a lot of pressure. I think it really should be up to people to educate themselves. But since I have you here and as a friend, I'm, I'm asking you that question. Yeah. Um, I think that there are different things that people can be doing. Um, some of the, you know, easiest, I suppose, are to follow Native American activists and advocates and Native American organizations through various kinds of social media. Because I think, like, as people become much more aware and informed about the issues that Native Americans are facing, that, you know, that helps to, um, I guess, in some sense, like, make Native Americans not a caricature, like not a cartoon and it humanizes us. Um, and so I think that like the, if we're to think of like change happening in, in kind of like tiers or in like phases, I think that's kind of like the first thing to do is to sort of like become much more aware, learn about Native American struggles that are happening today, but not just struggles, but also like the strengths of their community. Um, and that can be done through like following Native American activists, advocates, Native American organizations, um, we've mentioned a couple um, here on the radio with um, Native Appropriations and Dr. Adrian Keene, but she's also got a lot of people that she, um, you know, supports and tags through her social media. Um, and that would be one of the best places, I think, to go to learn more about appreciation versus appropriation. Um, some other, like, more larger policy kind of organizations. And I think even speaking up, I get, you know, like thinking about Halloween, like if you're a listener and you yeah, please don't. see somebody yeah. or, you know, even your kids at school, like to just make sure that that's something that you're talking about and stopping and, mm. um, you know, use your voice when you see these things. Don't just be a passive consumer of appropriation. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of these things start, a lot of these stereotypes, you know, of Native Americans become very, like, identity, Native American identity, Native American issues get watered down really small for, um, you know, like, for youth, for kids in school, um, especially around, like, October and November with, like, the um, themes of Halloween and Thanksgiving and the first Thanksgiving between Native Americans and colonizers. <laughs> I mean, stuff like that, like those, you know, those type of things get really watered down into like little tiny bite-sized things and sometimes become 
stereotypes. And so there are things that people can be doing. If you have kids that are in school and they want to make like feathered headdresses, maybe say no. Can we come up with a different idea? Um, there are people that talk, there's a person who talks about books for kids, youth books, and how Native Americans are represented in books. Um, so a lot of these different things can be found through like Googling, like, you know, Native American appropriation. Um, and those are definitely ways to like, you know, start making changes, like taking little tiny actions at like your individual level and then kind of like at the larger level are doing things to help support and to call on for Netflix, TV show producers, Hulu, you know, um, ABC, NBC, whatever, for them to like have more Native American people involved in the creation of um, entertainment. And we had a great conversation. I I didn't mean to cut you off, but I would love, and maybe this is where you were going to go. I know you and I, when we were first talking about which story we should tell, um, we were talking about the actress who is the voice of Pocahontas. And I didn't know if you wanted to kind of share a little more. Um, you had just shared some great bits when we, we talked off <laughs> the recording. So I was hoping to get those over here on the recording and, and something else to just highlight seems like a really weird choice now that I, I when I rewatched Pocahontas and I know he was larger then, but Mel Gibson is the voice of John Smith, which I guess actually it kind of seems right. Like he's kind of a skeevy guy, um, but it just felt really weird hearing now his voice. Now we're going to get calls from Mel Gibson's agent. Thank you very much. <laughs> Great. Because um, I'll field those calls. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> but you know, when you were talking about like yeah, the different roles and like what that means and like what, you know, as a, a native actress to have to like kind of carry the weight of being like you know this one well-known minority character and even though she probably wasn't okay with the inaccurate depiction like that hard choice of still representing this character yeah so i'm um so irene bedard is the voice of um Pocahontas in the disney film um and you know i can't i can't speak for irene but i'm sure you know, there are a lot of decisions that have to be made and around like trying to take a leap just to become part of the entertainment industry, um, you know, and wanting to be able to have some type of representation at all and having to like do these type of films where maybe, you know, there aren't like the most accurate representations and, and at the time probably was, you know, expected to be a great, film and to pay tribute some tribute to like bringing Pocahontas the story to awareness but you know obviously now with much, much more critical eye there's concerns with that Disney film but you know Irene Bedard has gone on to have like a really great career in portraying indigenous and Native American people in uh, more modern ways um, and you know even beyond that even just taking on roles where she's not specifically like, you know, pigeonholed as a Native American person, which is great, mm-hmm. um, you know. So I think that there's just, there's ways for the entertainment industry to um, diversify by bringing in film creators, show producers, writers, um, to be able to come in and help tell Native American stories, more modern Native American stories, contemporary Native American stories. Um, one person, I believe I had mentioned to you, Mindy, before the recording of a show is Sierra Teller Ornalis, who is creating a te- television show called Rutherford Falls for, I think it's 
NBC, the Peacock, online Peacock. I'm not sure which channel that is. I think that's <laughs> but, right. Um, <laughs> that's right, yeah. <laughs> for, it's for an online streaming service. Um, but, you know, she, one of the really cool things is I follow her on social media. And so one of the really cool things that I saw her is that she brought in a whole bunch of Native American comedians and writers to work on the TV show, which is great because that, that excites me because I, I'm hoping to be able to see much more stories that align and that, you know, describe some kind of experience that's similar to something that I may have experienced. Um, And I think on the, you know, if we think about it from like the entertainment side, that's good for them too, because it gets more people watching their television show. (laughs) But, um, you know, I just think that there's a lot of different ways to, uh, entertainment can be helping to bring Native American stories to life. And that's one of the ways. I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, we definitely need more, more diversity and more sharing on these networks. And um, that's awesome. We'll definitely have to check out that show. Um, I was just going to say one last, I know that we're, we're close to time. I don't know. Um, But so one of the things that I noticed um, about the story of Pocahontas was that um, there's like, first of all, it was probably all made up right? Like 30 years after it happened, uh, when John Smith got back to England, and he just like, made this whole thing up. That's very possible. But then the other thing that I was reading on uh, Smithsonian magazine that they said could potentially be um, what happened was it was actually an adoption ceremony. And it was all scripted, um, if it actually did happen. And so uh, Pocahontas was like 11 at the time. And at the like, you know, that's that's the two versions that I've heard that like it was actually no danger at all. And he kind of made that all up to make him feel like he was, you know, strong or whatever. So that's kind of the, the, the versions that I've read. And I've, I have done very minimal research, <laughs> um, but that's kind of the the first couple of versions that I heard. And again, the one that that sticks out in my mind is that he made it all up, which is very possible. Yeah, wild. <laughs> that is really wild. I mean- it is. And like, I mean, what I, what I do know of Pocahontas' story is that like, you know, there wasn't necessarily a John Smith that she married John Wolfe, who I think in the Disney film is the the guy that like plants the flag in the ground. Oh, um, I don't isn't he? I don't even remember. Well, I think he comes into play it. in like Pocahontas 2 is something that I was reading online. I don't know if he's in the first one, but yeah, you might be right. That he plants. The, yeah, that sounds very Disney yeah (laughs) and so I just know like I just know I just know that like the Disney film is like inaccurate Pocahontas was really young she was a kid she was not an adult John Smith potentially wasn't even a real person that's not who she ended up marrying um you know and that she like had I mean we don't really know exactly like what she was going through but I can imagine as like a young kid having to travel places like you know, being scared about having to be introduced to like people, new people that you don't know and new countries um, as like a young, very young person. It just sounds very unfortunate. Yeah. And there, there was some, um, some stories shared when I was researching, I think it was one of the, like a YouTube account that I came across where they were talking about. um, So she married the other John, but they actually aren't sure if it was like a mutual relationship or there was possibly some issue where she was a little more like kidnapped into Mm -hmm. the relationship because 
then she wasn't allowed to talk to her family ever, like all these things that very much didn't seem of her character or of, um, you know, just the her family values and what we would have known. Um, so there was definitely thought that there could have been some like strife and issue there as well. But again, I think it's like the whitewashed version. People like to make it seem like it was Pocahontas's decision and her curiosity and her wanting to, you know, go to England with this white man and all of these things because but and I think the reality is so complex and that's okay right like maybe that was something we don't know we don't know what her what her feelings were on anything um but the, I think just recognizing that it's more way more complex than we're fed is very important right and thinking through like well was that consensual and if it wasn't then I mean that I mean I would just assume any woman getting married in the 1600s is probably not a good good deal right it doesn't matter um and i'm putting up air quotes around marriage because who knows right like that's not you know i just think that that it, looking at this as, a, as like a, a complex and also problematic like from the get saying look this is a very problematic story and we need to be cautious and we need to not shop at spirit halloween that is selling sexy costumes of these of like that's appropriating um very unfairly these these uh you know all people right um yeah, I know that they also sell like a sexy Mulan. That's so messed up. It's so messed up. Yeah. Um. So I think you know, just just kind of being aware and and just recognizing that it is complex, but also thinking that it's you know, and it's the problem of the single story. Yeah. There's so it's so messed up, and we see that a lot in these Disney stories. Yeah. What were you? Gonna yeah, say? and there's a lot of complexity there too, with like you know, um, the influence of like Christianity and like at the time, like, that religion being, like, the source of, like, you know, what is true and accurate and right in life and, you know, potentially, like, her, like, washing away, like, her savageness, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. by, ha by having to be baptized and, like, renamed and, um, so there's, like, a lot of complexity that goes into, like, what mm -hmm. actually happens to her and its impact and what, you know, it's, I guess, similarly what was happening in the United States with the Christianity taking over of Native Americans and, you know, the colonization of indigenous people in the United States or of the Northern continent. Yep. Yep. Thank you so much, Nikki, for sharing your insights with us. Um, I think, you know, it's always really great for me when we do have an opportunity to talk about a story that is really well known, um, just to make people really stop and reflect, because I think it's a great starting point to them open people's eyes in like what we can do and like, what are the other stories or, or like problematic things that we're teaching and telling our children and the next generation and just perpetuating like in the name of whiteness in like, you know, when you look at how whitewashed our history is, like how whitewashed these fairy tales mm -hmm. are, all of these things. So, um, you know, I, I, I loved too what you kind of shared of how people can get involved. Um, you know, Google is your friend. <laughs> you said that, um, you know, you can just Google it. We've, we've shared some great resources. So if you want to take action and get more involved, please do. Um, don't forget to follow Nikki um, on Instagram at Red Street Girl. And Nikki, we are so thankful to have had you on here and um, we appreciate all that you do. Thank you, Nikki. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. All right. Bye. 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 
Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode, but you can always find us on Instagram at Femlore Podcast or visit us online at femlore.com. We love what we do, but we can't do it without you. Your listens, shares, and reviews keep us going, so please tell your friends about us. Femlore is produced by Mindy Scott, Rachel Marr, Aaron Crossland, and Lauren Crossland Marr. Audio engineering and music by Aaron Crossland, research and coordination by Lauren Crossland Marr, and as always, canine support provided by Andy and Cody. Ow!